0: surprise is not old. No one would call her old. She's a bluff bow, Lovely lions. She's a fine seabird. Weatherly, stiff, and fast. Very fast, if she's well handled. Uh, she's not old. She's in her
1: prime. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report.
2: This
3: is Cheap Seat Reviews.
4: What does that mean, Sail Us Out? What, what does that mean, Sail Us Out?
2: Ladies and gentlemen of the Gladiator Arena, here is the Barbarian Horde. Man, that
4: hurt. Fiction adjacent is probably the best way to put it.
2: Yeah, he's, uh, he sacrificed everything he had
3: to make sure he was in this episode, so please listen.
2: Hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. The greater good. There you go. Yeah, not bad. This is episode... Yeah, the greater f- good.
0: There you go. The oh. greater
2: good. <laughs> 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 oh, Maybe if we would have practiced uh, ahead of time, we could have like, actually had a nice little chant there, but we practice <laughs> nothing ahead of time. We plan nothing. This is, episode- now, this is a one-take show. <laughs> that is 100% accurate, and there is no fixing <laughs> it in post also. I don't, I don't do any of that garbage. This is episode <laughs> 357, and today we're talking about Master and Commander Far Side of the something, Far Side of the Planet, Far Side of the Ocean? I think it's the world, isn't it? Far, far side, side of the, of the world. world. Oh, it's the go. Far Side of the World, too. Oh, the very important, getting that the in there, yeah. Yeah, I gotta get there and there. Right, the Far Side of the World. Okay. I am Sean Allred, and joining me tonight is Andrew. Closed captioning really saved my life on this movie, Jimison. Well... <laughs>
1: Sean, I just want to say I, I have not seen this much semen since I was in middle school, and the there was semen everywhere. I mean, there was semen on every part of that ship,
2: and just old to share that with you, old and young and and hairy, all cut. Ki-
1: yeah, it was like a semen convenience store with multiple different... Uh,
2: convenience store? <laughs> this joke just got weird. Okay, It got
1: weird and worse at the same time. I'll just shut up now.
2: Oh, my gosh. No, that's that's both fine and uh, dandy. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't, I, that's fine.
1: <laughs> Huzzah for you.
2: Huzzah for me. Okay. Um, uh. Joining us making their cheap seat reviews debut is Mark gets extra grog for doing a good show. Mm. And sounds right. And Joe, surprise musket ball to the face from the digital dissection podcast. Yeah, that's where I like to put it. right Right in the face. Right in the face. Right in the face. Yeah, I just that poor guy that was like there the whole movie, and he's like, "Oh, I guess we won." Boom, he's dead. Boom. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. That was that was definitely oh. a shocking moment. Like, oh, I thought he was gonna go the distance. Yeah. And he. In did all not.
1: fairness, he he had trouble seeing because there was a lot of semen in his face. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a
2: surprise. Is that's the thing? It was like, a surprise. You know, <laughs> they, like they weren't there, and then boom, right in the face. That's where they were. They were French and everywhere. Oh <laughs> man, this joke's gonna <laughs> just carry us all through the movie. <laughs> oh, This is 2003's Master and Commander, and I am so excited to have you guys here from the Digital Dissection Podcast. How are you guys doing? Well, I'm doing, I'm doing great.
3: Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Happy working with you again, uh, since the last time we're on a ship together was in outer space. And now now we're just off the coast of Brazil. It's going to be exciting. Uh,
2: well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we're off for Brazil, and then five mm-hmm. minutes later we're rounding the Cape, uh, Cape yeah. Horn. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the horn of New New Horn, what's it called? Horn something. The horn. I just called it the horn. Yep, the horn. We're called it's, the horns. Fine. It's the bottom of That's the funny. the the bottom of the uh, South America. South America. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then about five it's, it's minutes. Chile. Later, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then about five mm-hmm. minutes later, they're in the Galapagos Islands, which is about two thousand miles north. And mm-hmm. about twenty years
3: before Darwin got there too. Well,
2: but it's like you can retcon it because they didn't get to take anything back yeah, with us. With that, them. that
3: was the fun mm-hmm. part of it, wasn't
2: it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So
3: uh, yeah.
4: that's how sea travel works. I found that out while watching this movie. That if I need to go like a really short distance, I just need to be in a boat. Like that's really the lessons <laughs> I took away from this.
2: Or if you mm-hmm. need to go a really long distance, then nothing will have happened between point A and point B unless the story <laughs> needs it to happen.
1: <laughs> and if you show no landmarks or land for ma- the majority of your time at sea, mm-hmm. you could travel anywhere you want as quick as you can.
2: Yeah, it, that yeah. that it, that boat just felt like it was teeming with food all the time, right? Like there was oh, never yeah. any. Hey, you know, we really should. Because there's a couple of moments where they do say, "Hey, it would be nice to get some fresh water and some provisions." But it was never like, "Hey." We haven't had meat in three weeks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, something like that.
3: Anyway. And zero scurvy, by the way.
2: Yeah. 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 No no
3: weird at-sea at diseases. Not once in this yeah. entire movie.
2: Just uh, a curse, I guess.
3: We've that had nothing to
4: eat but pudding shaped as islands for three
3: stinking days. Uh, and that <laughs> pudding was so thick and weird looking. Like, the,
2: I know. Well, the Ugh. officer's mess pudding didn't really mm-hmm. bother me. It was when life was hard and every man was shirtless and they were scooping what I can't imagine being edible into <laughs> those plates. <laughs> it, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it looked like, I don't know. What did it look like? And I just, Honestly, this is going to sound dumb. It reminded me of that episode of Firefly when they go to Jamestown, where like mud is like everything and they're drinking that Mudder's milk. Like it looked like bread soaked in Mudder. <laughs> like, mud. like that's what it looks yeah, like. That that makes sense. That oh, checks. It was gross. Uh, but I think we're getting uh, a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, 2003's Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. Andrew, what is this movie in case. You don't know what it is because I actually talked to a couple of people today that had no idea what this movie was.
1: Well, there's a good reason they may not know what this movie is, and I think we'll get into that later. But if you don't know, during the Napoleonic Wars, a brash British captain pushes his sea his ship. Sorry, I started to say his seaman pushes his ship and crew to their limits in pursuit of a formidable French war vessel around South America.
2: All right. Is he, what was the word he, that it used? Prickly? No. What was the word? Uh, uh, a brash captain? Is he brash? Yeah. I don't think of him as brash. Is he? I don't either. Yeah. Titular, maybe, but not brash. Yeah, because he's, I mean, yeah, he yells at the doctor a couple of times about duty mm-hmm. and honor and, and some of that other stuff, but there's a lot of the time where he's just kind of a jolly captain.
3: Yeah. Like, I mean, there yeah. was that one time where he came up and yelled at the helmsman and said, You fool of a tuck. Next time, throw yourself in and rid us of your stupidity. Yeah, but other than yeah. that, pretty nice guy. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> he was. Uh, he's like professionally plucky, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, like if you had that to put sense. plucky on a resume, this guy would have it all jazzed up. You know, it'd be in Times New Roman. It would not be in Comic
3: Sans. No, he's not a Comic Sans guy. No, definitely no. not. Mm-mm.
2: Or, I don't know, whatever the font that Sam put on our poster this week, whatever that is. But yeah, <laughs> like that. He, he's God, a very that's prim- so tasteful. Uh, very so tasteful yeah no i'm i No. i love it i really love it in fact i kind of want to keep it for a while honestly i I do i like that i like that font um i like it better than the one i chose which is fine uh so this movie i think uh andrew kind of hinted to as to uh well he mentioned made mention that no one heard this movie i guess i did but you mentioned why yeah this movie came out in 2003 and um no one watched it and I think that's a shame. I really do. So this movie had a budget a budget of 150 million. That's a big budget movie. I mean, that's yeah. uh, that's summer blockbuster esque movie money. Mm-hmm. And it only grossed worldwide 211 million. Oh. And I say only. I know it's 211 million dollars, but I mean only I
3: mean, that is only when they. I mean, that was like what they what double. I mean, they made their money back plus only 100 million on that.
2: Well. See, budget is a weird term, especially on IMDb, yeah. because mm-hmm. it says budget estimated one hundred and fifty million. So you take that one hundred and fifty million, think that that's probably a million, oh, yeah, $150, $100, yeah, that's mm-hmm. between dollars $100 on production. Yeah, and then not advertising
3: to, or anything else.
2: Yeah, you have, you have mm-hmm. to add another thirty or forty million on marketing. So let's just say, Oof. let's say the movie did cost a true one fifty. -hmm. You know, it only made sixty million dollars, right? Does that matter? Yeah, yeah, it made sixty something million dollars for the fact that, and this is also weird. I I noticed this immediately because I, I, these are the dumb things I notice. I'm always interested in seeing how many production companies it takes to make a movie. You know, especially since Mm -hmm. we've been doing a lot of, (laughs) we've been doing a lot of Netflix Mm -hmm. and like Prime original movies over the last year. And so mm-hmm. those are all made by like 11 small companies because none of them can take the weight of a big, big budget. Mm-hmm. But huh. the first thing that you see on this is 20th Century Fox. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's big company. And it then is. the universal logo. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. How did that marry? Yeah. And then Miramax, Max, which, is the, yeah. which is at the time, the Disney thing where Disney would make movies if they wanted it to be PG 13 or R, they would do yeah. it under the Miramax. I thought mm-hmm. that's three big studios. Yeah, it's like three yeah. mafia
3: families getting together to make this movie.
2: Well, I mean, it's, yeah. like, I heard of. it's like Disney uh, or Marvel and Sony getting together to make a Spider-Man movie. Like,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I was
4: fully expecting to see MTV films pop up at the end of it, too. You know? I thought hey, New Line
3: was coming up next.
2: Newline. Yep, just bring them on in. Yeah, New Line actually would have been very appropriate for 03. I was going to say mm-hmm. Summit, but Summit was a couple of years <laughs> later with um, Twilight. Mm-hmm. Twilight actually made the company.
4: Early Lionsgate, maybe, you know, back when they were still doing all the mechanical looking Mm -hmm. intros. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So anyway, I I do have to go on a a dumb segue. But when I was doing my internship, uh, I I did it at a production company. And one of my first projects was I was given it was the it was a production company um, had hired us to create their logo, you know, the little cinematic logo. And so it was a sailing ship coming towards the camera on the seas, and then it, it kind of turned to kind of side shot of, the, of the, the camera, so to speak, and then freeze frames there, and then that's when the production comes up, and it was, I don't know what it was. It was full wind or half sail. <laughs> I don't remember the name of the company, but my job was to create the sound of the ship, right? Yeah. So I put a little bit of a little wind sound in there, and then... I found some like creaking sounds, and then Ooh. and uh, like a like a bell, you know, off in the distance, and then a little bit mm-hmm. of the waves, and so when you have all that as the bed, and then they had already pre-bought some music to kind of go over it as it came in, it kind of created a nice little twelve-second feature, you know, eight-second feature of the boat coming. It was kind of fun, but but like nowadays, those 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 become so very cinematic. I mean not just the fact that Marvel's lo- the logo has grown to what it is and the mm-hmm. universal yeah. one is, has grown, but a lot of these small companies have these very cinematic uh, companies. I just I find that interesting. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. What I want to go to now is to say that this movie stars Russell Crowe uh, and Paul Bettany and a bunch of other people that we've seen, a lot from British films. You mentioned um, Pippin who yeah. is uh, uh what Billy Boyd I think is mm-hmm. his name Yeah. Yep. Billy Boyd. And he's uh and he's got some uh he's got a pretty good little role in this movie. He's
3: Yeah, he's, it's not bad. He's got like what four or five lines. Yeah. Um but you see him a lot even though he might not be saying anything.
2: Yeah, he's on mm-hmm. camera a lot. His face is on camera a lot. He had that scar across his face looks yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, he looked yep. really, He looked like a navy guy, honestly. He, he
3: looked, did and like I think at one point like he's like crawling like he's like back crawling he's like repelled down or belayed down yeah. uh, to see the damage to the <laughs> rudder and then he just like muscles his way back up Yeah, it's like wow sailing was hard once upon a time holy yeah. crap
2: <laughs> yeah you had to that was tough work that's why they got paid a lot though um, mm-hmm. he's and gonna swap and, the poop deck yeah <laughs> a lot of that a lot of yeah. other a lot of other really great actors in this movie um, uh, Chris uh, I'm trying to think who's the guy who got shot in the face I can't find him but he, uh, Ian, Ian oh, Mercer, he was the dude that was also in Gladiator, right? He was the guy that yeah. made the announcements in Gladiator. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. That's where yeah. I recognize
2: him. Yeah. He was, he was the guy you know, that would, yeah.
1: Had that one great, thing I couldn't shake. Had that
2: great voice and would scream, ladies and gentlemen of the Gladiator Arena, here is the Barbarian <laughs> Horde. Man, that hurt to do.
4: <laughs> I, I was actually distracted by uh, David Threlfall during this movie, who, if you don't know who that is, he kind of looks like Eric Idle. If you, if you kind of catch a stray shot of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The whole time you're like, this is a, this is a Python film. Like, what is he doing here? But David Threlfall was actually the actor uh, in hot fuzz. uh, Who's chosen to be murdered (laughs) by, (laughs) by the council. So like, I knew who he was, but like, yeah, like if you just, if you're just casually checking this out, it's like, Mm-hmm. Like, is this, is that Eric Idle? I mean, it, it's, it shocked <laughs> me like 10 times.
2: That's funny. Yeah, no, I just saw that. I just looked on him. Yeah, there's, again, the, the cast I think is really good. And again, mm-hmm. it, it's a dude cast, right? Like the only woman in the in oh, yeah. the whole movie has no lines. She's just a pretty Brazilian lady. Yep. Um, And, and that's it. And I mean, it's a dude movie and that's fine. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, you kind of know what you're getting into with this kind of a thing.
4: But uh, you referred to this as a as a hot dog cart, that's what this <laughs> on, the, was. on
2: water, yes. I guess. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> it's, a, it's a sailing hot dog cart. Um, yeah, it's exactly are, what the village people promised in their You song, guys are I nicer believe. than
1: me, I, I just called it a bag of dicks, but
2: <laughs> well, a boat, a boat of dicks, uh, yeah. a, a vessel, a vessel They're, of dicks. A vessel. There you <laughs> go, Ooh, that's fancy sound when you put vessel in there. I love this. Is another dumb thing that I love, I love. Um, what are they called? Uh,
4: Vienna sausages.
2: I do like those, but I also like, <laughs> um, when Pigs in a blanket name names, uh, group pronouns, right? Like uh, a murder of crows. Uh, oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Um, you know, like, uh, one of my favorites is a, a gaggle, a gaggle of geese, a glaring of cats. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Do you like what? cavalcade? Cav- Does cavalcade, hop in there for you.
3: Cavalcade's a fun one. Uh,
2: what is a cavalcade? Yeah. I can't remember what that one is. I don't remember. Uh, how about a synth- an, or an orchestra of crickets? You like that one? Oh, Orch- <laughs> <laughs> seriously? That's just
3: that's false advertising. Those they're just annoying. Yeah, well, but they you know
2: whatever. So there's that one. <laughs> um, my favorite one is uh, a group of um, a group of carons. It's called a privilege. Yes. Oh, yes. I have one of those
1: back
4: there in the.
2: <laughs> His wife's name.
3: Yeah,
4: is a Karen. box of Karens. No. <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. Okay. I know for a while that there was like a petition to make a group of squids a squad. Nice. I don't know Ooh. if that ever like went through or not. Because, I mean, it was, a, it was a change.org. So it really didn't do anything, sure. is my guess. Yeah.
2: I threw out a in squad the um, squad. It's kind of cool, though.
3: I know, right? That's a great name. Yeah. A squid squad? A
2: squid, the
4: squid well, squad. and then a group of Kennedys is called the tragedy.
2: Nice. Ooh. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Ooh. Sorry. Sorry. No, I, I, I say things. I'm sorry, Sean. <laughs> it's fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We've, things have been said a lot worse uh, on this show, but believe me. <laughs> Um, speaking of things that are a lot worse, how about we do a five-word review? Um, oh, if everybody's okay. Andrew's uh, doing a little technical difficulty. So, uh, Joe, if you want to lead us off, if you want, with a five-word review, if you have one. Yeah, yeah, I've got one.
3: Um, it's probably is wrong because it's. And I tried going with a, more of a naval term thing here. Um, I said 40 knots of rough seas for this one. Okay. And not because – like it's not because it's a bad movie. It's a really good movie. And I, I actually stole the that from um, – it was a review of one of Ridley Scott's friends for Aliens. And he said it was 40 miles of bad road uh, oh, for wow. the movie. And so it's just because I feel like in this – like me just watching this hockey thing is like, man, I am so glad I was never in the Navy in the Napoleonic area no <laughs> because – <laughs> like I mean, they're they're patching the ship up as they're like sailing. Like no no no, we're not porting. We're just going to do it while we're going. Like what sort oh, of yeah. crazy is that? Everything just keeps going from like almost was like bad to worse from them, and it just feels like they're they're completely outclassed and outgunned by this newer ship. Their ship is falling apart. They're having to put together. People are dying left and right, and like yeah, yeah, being in the navy sucks, man. Um, but good movie oh, and
4: Russell. Russell Crowe is basically an 18, or, uh, an 1800s Bill O'Reilly. You know, He just says, we'll do it live. He ripped off his jacket, yeah. and it's like,
2: mm-hmm. yep, <laughs> here we go. Yeah, <laughs> we have to port.
3: No, we're doing it live. Yeah. I don't know what it means, but we're doing it live. That's right.
2: I like it.
4: <laughs> what does that mean, sail us out? What, what does that mean, just, sail oh, us out? To
3: sail
2: us out? <laughs> wow. I got to admit I don't I don't think I could have uh, ever predicted Bill O'Reilly would be uh uh, <laughs> a, uh appearing on this show to uh, ever. Uh, that's nice. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, <laughs> we'll sail us out? What does that mean? I like it. Uh, anyway, uh okay, Mark, do you have one?
4: I sure do. Mine's a little bit simpler and it's actually a term that we want to use for our show to describe uh, certain actors and their 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 heydays, but I went with the golden age of Crow because this was really this was like the the time when this guy was just making bangers left and right, you know. I mean it's kind of like the equivalence of uh oh I don't know if like if you guys remember Usher, the R and B artist in the in the nineties, early two thousands, that guy could fart through a walkie talkie into a microphone and he'd win a Grammy.
3: Oh so and, I was confused. I thought you were referring to Ursher of the, the ludicrous <laughs> uh, team up that he had. <laughs> yeah. For the well, great yes, song. basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Basically. But that's that's what Russell Crowe did in this this time period, the the early two thousands, maybe a little bit of the late nineties. I mean, uh, he played these charismatic characters who, you know, didn't have many dimensions to them, but they were good. The ones he would pick, usually stuff you can attach to as a moviegoer. So yeah, a lot of value I think in in his ability to, to to harness that.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean you're not yeah, Russell Crowe is uh gosh, he was let's say this is a few years after you know, Gladiator and a beautiful mind. Beautiful mind. Yep. Um yeah, he was yeah, he rolling was, in the
3: deep at yeah, this point. Yeah. yeah,
2: he was. This was his stuff. I mean, I,
1: when was I, his Robin Hood?
2: Two thousand eight, I think. Two thousand ten. Okay, oh, so was, not that so much more recent. A little bit later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I liked that movie. By the way, I I, liked I did too. It. I like it. Rid, Ridley Scott movie. Um If you watch the theat or the director's cut, it's it's a little better. Yeah, it um, is. Same thing, and I've, I've said this. If, you've listened, if you're listening to this show because you're a Cheap Seat fan, you've heard me say this probably 50 times, but if you're here for Digital Dissection, this will be your, the first time hearing this. Go watch Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut. I'm telling oh, you, yeah. it's a yeah. three-hour-long mm-hmm. movie, but it's so good. and It's, so, it's a different movie. It is, it is a different movie. I mean, it is as yeah. different as Justice League versus Justice League Zack Snyder cut. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Now, the difference being is that, oh, this is going to turn, this is going to ruffle some feathers. <laughs> I I didn't hate the Joss Whedon version of just like, I didn't hate it. I thought it was fine. But I also I didn't either. I don't yeah. love Batman. I don't love Warner Brothers or DC, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I don't love those movies. Um, so, the like, the, the Zack Snyder one I thought was better, but the bar wasn't very high. So it didn't, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, I was oh, yeah. I was good either way.
1: Peter's yep. going to hate Sean.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. That's fine. But, like, whereas in this movie, it really felt like the theatrical version of Kingdom of Heaven is a, is okay, but the director's cut is a really good movie. So, go yeah, watch. I it. Mean, that's what I'm saying.
3: I mean, I feel like that's like The Lord of the Rings, too. Like, The Lord of the Rings are really good movies, but then the director's cuts are very good movies. Are you maybe, comparing maybe it's going The Lord? Too high.
4: You're comparing the Lord of the Rings to the Justice League right now? No, no, cut? no.
3: I am saying because, that, like, no. like scaling up from like the, from the standard to like <laughs> the, the extended cut. Yeah, I, w- I guess like, I should have said like, an, it's an extended cut that's actually worth the extended cut or the yeah, extra stuff is. is what I mean yeah. to say. Yeah, not I mean because like like Justice League and the Snyder Cut are two almost completely different movies. They kind where, of are. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like. Like I'm guessing, like with Kingdom of Heaven, it's like the the theatrical cut is fine and it's good, but it's a, the extended it's a, cut add, is like the actual added stuff or the stuff that was put back in is makes it really good.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. To to give it um, numerical equations, you know, it'd be like if Kingdom of Heaven theatrical is a five, the director's cut makes it an eight. Whereas like Lord of the Rings. The 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 theatrical cut Lord of the Rings is an eight, and then the director's cut makes it like a nine point five. You know what I'm saying, like like a perfect
3: five out of seven.
2: Yeah, it also
1: makes it nine point five hours longer.
2: (laughs) It does make it. (laughs) It's worth it. It's worth it. it. it I mean, I saw they did a a Phantom events. I don't know if you guys have that, like uh, Regal or AMC, whoever does. Mm -hmm. So Sam and uh, Sam, who does with the podcast with us, and Cornelius, who also used to be on the show, uh, the three of us sat through the Return of the King the director's cut and in a theater for all four hours in a theater. Um, I'm just going to be honest. That theater was ripe. It smelled,
5: <laughs> it
2: was 100% <laughs> packed. We were in the last row. And by the time you got to the 11th ending, cause that movie has 11 endings. Um, it was ripe in that room. I'm just going to be honest. Cause everyone in there was a dude. <laughs> just, just like this movie. There were no women in that room. So imagine the um, smell of that ship. Yeah, uh, I can. Yeah. I was in that theater. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit less salty, you know, salt. Uh, air. Like before hour we we a- into
3: an anime convention.
4: Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. hey, before we actually get into the movie, yeah. something I wanted to say about this. This is something that I just committed to memory a long time ago. For some reason, this movie required 400 pounds of hair that the actors wore.
2: For this movie?
1: This movie—that's
2: a weird bit of trivia. Okay, that is odd. Oh, yeah, they, they like,
1: shaved most of it off of Russell Crowe's back, and <laughs> <laughs>
3: he charged for that. By the he's way, he's a hairy strain. man.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, he will have vengeance in this life or the next, so I'll stay out of his way. <laughs> yeah, four hundred pounds of hair. What do you do with that much hair? You know, I
3: don't know. That's I don't know. I mean, there's that one guy who had like his head like scalped off for surgery. Yeah, but that's so only he using. Wasn't using it.
4: Yeah, that, that's at best. I mean, if he shaved his head, he's using sixty percent of that surface. I mean, yeah. you don't need four hundred pounds for that.
3: No, and I mean, in that scene also, I don't know if I'm, I'm going ahead where they were actually doing surgery on the guy, and all the all the the semen are just gathered around like it's like one of those. Um, I don't know, like one of those um, public like forums where like colleges yeah. or universities will have like people watch the surgeries. Yeah. It was like that. Thankfully, no one, you know, put a junior mint like into that guy as they were. Oh God. They were working know. on him.
1: I don't think yeah. I've ever had that that many seamen staring at me before. Oh, okay. Oh, it's
4: it's got to be riveting. It's got to be, and you have to perform while you're down there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 You gotta deliver. They well, want the goods. I
2: have. I can't add to the joke. I was trying to think something about the coin because they stick a coin in his head. Yeah, uh, as of all the to, weird tools, yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense that, you know, it's metal, right? And so it'll probably graft, the skin will graft around it, and mm-hmm. the bone will kind of adhere to it. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. It's just, like, there's 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 a joke in there now that he's worth a dollar or something. I can't mm-hmm. think of what the, the joke is, but there's, <laughs> you know. Uh,
3: but just imagine, close. like, oh, yes. modern-day, like, in a surgery, the doctor's, like, asking for tools. Scalpel, scalpel, bone saw, bone saw, quarter, coin, coin, coin yeah, on. coin. <laughs> Yes, Doctor.
1: Well, you see, Clark, uh, if if I get hit there, my hair just won't part the way that it's supposed
3: to. <laughs> yeah, You can't be anywhere near a microwave, by the way, when you've got yeah. that, that in your head.
2: I think you'll be okay as far as that goes. Um, yeah. I guess I never asked the question, or I haven't yet, I should say. Did any of us, have we all seen this movie before this viewing?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw this one in, in theaters.
2: Wow! Yeah, uh,
4: you know, I decided to actually go out and see it, mostly because I think I was uh, kind of following the success of Russell Crowe, like you mentioned. He had a a couple Academy Awards under his belt, and so people were kind of wondering, like, is this guy going to do it again? Mm-hmm. Is this going to be Academy yeah. Award winning? And then you get to this movie, and it's like, yeah, he was great, but uh, even as a fanboy, i i can't I can't extend the logic to this one. Just just not possible.
2: Andrew, you look like you're about to say something. I can't. Well, you have not seen this before, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: it's the first time.
2: Nice. Yeah.
1: So, it's it's one of those that I wanted to see when it came out, and uh, I just never got around to doing it. And, but I did, and you could probably understand why. Run across the soundtrack tons of times uh, throughout my 13 years of teaching music. So, but this is the first time seeing it.
2: Ah. I'm glad you mentioned soundtrack because I want to talk about that for a second. So uh, this was this was my first time all the way through from f- from opening credits to ending credits. This is one of those movies that I've seen the middle hour probably three times. You know, like, I always show up after the first battle. So like the kids already missing an arm and mm-hmm. they're already mm-hmm. under they're already in the, 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 you know, in like like. Like, repair mode, right? They're fixing the ship.
3: Yeah, and what is that stump, if not his limb enduring, really? <sighs> I was waiting for the
4: waiting for the WandaVision reference. Sure. I was going to use one. But <laughs> <laughs> damn. <laughs> beat, beat
2: you to it. it. Um, and then I always, for some reason, I didn't get to finish. Uh, basically, after the Galapagos Islands scene, the doctor gets shot. Um, and then... Which-
3: I keep going. That there's, scene like drove me mad. Like, what do you?
2: Well, there, there's uh, a reason. There's a reason why that scene's in the movie. There's a mm-hmm. there's, there's a it's parallel. because
1: of well, it's because of uh, the vice president uh, for George Bush. What was his name?
2: Oh, uh, uh, Dick, Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney. It's because
1: of that. that. That's why they put that there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, the 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 actual reason is that it's a parallel to the 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 rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. You know they're they're oh, on a, yeah. they're on a boat. They see an albatross. The albatross uh. brings good luck. They kill the albatross. They have bad luck. In this case, there's a they're on the boat. The a guy literally says, "There's your albatross." While trying mm-hmm. to look at it, the guy tries to shoot it, and then attempting to try to shoot it, hits the doctor, therefore ensuring bad luck. And
3: that's why you're not supposed to shoot River Tam either.
2: There's yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: We'll that
4: f- way. I hear albatross is a ship's good luck till somebody killed it.
2: Yes, yeah. trying not to faint. Yeah. I've read a book. <laughs> um, I'm glad you. I'm glad
1: you brought up the bird, the albatross, real quick because I forgot to mention Sam in every episode. Oh
2: yeah, How- tries to kill you. Yeah,
1: and in this episode, Sam would uh, hold the mirror for you as you operated on yourself, but never hold it where you could actually see what you're doing. <laughs>
2: So I like I can't see Sam, and I clip an artery or something. Yeah, exactly. Gosh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> dastardly and clever. Okay. Um, so back to uh, the previous little little bit. Andrew mentioned the, the the soundtrack, the score, and we are Andrew. You haven't done your five word, and I haven't done mine. So we'll do right. Oh. Yeah, we'll do ours in just a second. Uh, so I was click. I was looking for the score. Who 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 wrote the score? Because I remember liking it thinking this is pretty good music i i kind of like this and so obviously the the cello and violin part that's all you know classical written music from you know they didn't write that for the movie right um those that's all other stuff so when i'm when i click on um you know music this mu- movie has three composers Oh. Wow. Iva Davies, Christopher Gordon and Richard Tognetti. And so Iva Davies, when you click on him, who by the way he has a great picture of him in a mullet. <laughs> Seriously, click on Iva Davies, yeah, I V A D A V I E S. And that is that is Mullet City. Um he is mostly known for wow. um he wearing
4: did, uh, wearing a lot of denim.
2: Well, as a composer, he did Ice House. Hey, little like there was a band I guess called Ice House, and he is in Ice House.
0: He's mm-hmm. in the band,
2: so he mostly did their music videos, uh, as well as this movie. I mean, it's just weird.
1: Wow. Yeah. I wonder if he did a lot of the. Uh... Sea C- shanty, C- like singing parts. You
2: know, maybe. So then you got Christopher Gordon, yeah. um, who has done such fine movies as uh, he was the composer for such things as, well, this movie. And I don't know, I'm looking for some stuff that you would ever what? have heard of. He was the conductor was he- for Mortal Kombat, but he wasn't the composer. He did mm. something called The Walrus and the Oyster, Buckley's Chance, June Again, Ladies in Black, Out of the Shadows, Crawl, uh, Mao's Last Dancer, Daybreakers, I've at least heard oh. of Daybreakers.
3: Mao's Last Dancer, yeah, I know of Daybreakers. that one.
4: Yeah, Daybreakers. Mm-hmm. Um, Daybreakers is pretty solid, too.
2: And then the yeah. last guy, Richard Tognetti, uh, who is from New, New South Wales, Composer. He did, this was his first movie, and then did three movies, something called Storm Surfers, Dangerous Banks, all documentaries, and then something called Mountain, Mountain Quest, and River. Like, these are three kind of unknown dudes doing a $100 million movie. Yeah. yeah. And, oh. and they did a fine job, but like, obviously, they're no Hans Zimmer, or you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's unfair, because this is the same year that Pirates of the Caribbean came out. Right? Do you oh, think yeah. that
1: do you think that's why they used a lot of classical music that was already written and you know because and and by the way the stuff that they chose was fantastic. I mean the the Bach uh, cello suite well, or the you know, cello you know. thing is w- wonderful yeah. and it's played like at everybody's wedding everywhere but
2: yeah, Where every uh, cello player worth their salt knows that.
1: I mean, exactly. I mean, and I don't know if you noticed but if you take a cello and pop it up on its side. Chalo, you got a bass.
2: Yeah.
5: <laughs> Sorry, that's a school of rock reference.
2: Yeah. Uh, that's wonderful. I, I just think they used. I just think that they used that movie to give it some more authenticity, to kind of to to remind you of the time period, and to to give it. I just like it because it kind of gives those two characters a little bit of depth, and that it does. Yeah. yeah. You know, like. These are two men. One man is a man of war, man of action, a man of decision. And the other, the doctor who's a man of science and, um, and order and, you know, who wants to question things. Why do we do this thing? And he's also kind of the audience, right? He gets to ask questions. Oh, what is this thing? So that the guy can say, Oh, this is why we're excited because of this. So that we, the audience know what's happening.
1: But he's, a, he's also kind of like, his moral compass. In yes. A way. Yes. Moral compass yeah.
2: is perfect example. Exactly. Yeah. But well, then at the end of the day, yeah. they still get to be friends and play music, which is, you know what I'm saying? Like this, this movie, instead of them playing chess, like some other movies would have them do, or they just get drunk and fight. These guys are musicians, which I think is just frankly, lovely. I really like it. I do.
4: Well, and to add depth to that relationship that you see on screen, so Tognetti actually taught Russell Crowe how to play the violin. Mm-hmm. And then Paul Bettany actually learned how to play the cello as well so that the scenes looked organic.
2: Yeah. Because yeah. A- and, and they did a great job. Andrew and I are both musicians. Yeah. I don't know about either one of you gentlemen, but Andrew and I are both musicians. Uh, Andrew teaches music for a living, and I have played You know, – I've been paid to play once or twice. So we're hyper aware of when actors are faking it because it looks yeah. terrible. <laughs> And it's it's yeah. so it's so jarring when it's when you're faking it. And you know for, for for us it's like okay, just don't even have the camera on them if you're not going to you know, it's just just move the camera away. Like, oh, the
3: Hungry Eyes music video has to drive you two up the wall then.
2: <laughs> the what? <laughs> have You never
3: watched the uh, the music video for Hungry Eyes from the Dirty Dancing soundtrack? No. I don't think I have Oh, yeah, the woman playing the saxophone will (laughs) will enrage you. So when you get a chance, (laughs) just just hungry eyes on YouTube. You'll have a great time.
1: And I I think anybody that has played an instrument can understand just how difficult it really is. And so for an actor to do this, it reminds me of uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. with uh, uh, Chadwick Chadwick Boseman. Boseman. Yeah, learning to play the trumpet, uh, which... It's not easy if you've never done it before, you know, and, and playing the violin or cello is not either. And maybe they had some prior chops. Maybe they played it when they were younger, but
2: from the trivia, I read, they had to learn it. They wanted to learn it for the part so that it would be authentic. Now I, I don't know what it takes to teach someone who is an adult that, you know, I mean, Andrew, you and I have had many, many years of training to get to where we are. Now obviously what we're hearing is not what they're producing in the in the moment obviously because we're right. hearing very good sound and what they probably were producing probably sounded like shit. But um <laughs>
4: I was, was going to say they dubbed least, it over for
3: the final yeah, version. I mean, yeah. well, well, it was all screeching and scratching, and nothing you could dance to. I love that.
2: I love how the cook was just so <laughs> yeah. grumpy about the whole thing. He's just like, oh, like he hated it. He hated it. Oh, and they go screeching and scratching. It's like, can you not just like, like his whole mood, the whole movie was just to be comic relief grump. Pretty know? much, uh-huh. yeah.
3: And I love like yeah. the amount of times like they just like completely like little like Keelick like, just gets like I don't know belittled or put in his place. Even like the whole like uh, when you get the the two kids come in with a model of the uh, the Acheron, mm-hmm. he's like, oh no, I watched it be built in 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 the states or whatever, and here's what it looks like. And like extra rations of rums for these two. And he's like, well, I was saving it for service days. Like you'll have wine, you'll yeah. have wine, we'll have yeah. wine. Like,
2: <laughs> like like it seems like a dude who's been with the captain long enough that he is allowed to say things like that. Yep. You know, right. like like oh, when yeah. they call for him and he's already there and he's like, Killy's like, I'm already here. Oh. Okay, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. he was funny. He was funny. Uh, Andrew, go ahead and uh, lay down your five word.
1: Okay. Well, I've actually it's a seven word, uh, but it's two conjunctions, so it's like nine. So whatever. Um,
2: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> don't need romance if you got a bromance. Okay. Uh,
3: and just do through days.
1: Yeah, I mean this. This was a it was a very simple story. I mean in all actuality there's not uh, too much happening here but it's a story less to me about exploring an adventure than it is about you know having your your friend that you're learning to to exist with out on the water and and helping each other find their way and and it's a kind of a character development type of story rather than the true adventure yeah there was some action at the beginning and at the end, pretty much. Um, but overall, that's what it was to me. Um, the The characters that are not Paul Bettany and uh, Russell Crowe, they're kind of forgettable. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because there's so many people and they, they all look kind of the same because you, you can't really make them special in any way they're pirate or not pirate, but they're seamen. And well, uh, I
2: mean, crow did have the big hat.
1: He did that's that. true. Yeah.
2: But everyone else
3: had the same sideburns, which made things very right. complicated.
1: And uh, honestly, yeah, there were a few times I was like, is that the same guy that I just, yeah. So I did get confused. I mean, we have some of the, the children or teenage actors. I don't know what age they were, but those you care about a little bit. Um, You know, you meet the boy at the beginning, and my God, the sound of the saw just, and this brave kid biting down on this uh, leather or stick or whatever this was as his arm is being removed from his body. Uh, uh, The sound, though, just made me cringe. Um, It was really tough to laugh
4: at that part, by the way.
1: <laughs> it was really, really yeah. tough. I, was, I, I got, I
4: managed to laugh, but it was tough. It was not easy. Yeah. I,
3: I just wanted, to like, even just headed to like, I'm usually annoyed by most children and acting in movies, just because they can't, yeah, and they're not going to spend money on teaching the children to act. Uh, but right. the children in this movie, actually, I thought all did a really, really good job.
2: Yeah, they were that, very that believable. Me. What they did.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. What was the movie we just did with the child actor that I was like, yeah, the same thing. He, well, last he didn't annoy we, me.
2: Yeah, last week we did Real Steel with the little boy.
3: Oh, I Whoa. love that's right. Real Steel. Such yeah, a great movie.
1: That, that little guy is a great
2: actor. He was good. Um, but, he was good. Yeah.
1: But these guys, yeah, I agree with you. They they didn't bother me and did a good job. But to get back to my point, though, when the older one, spoiler, died at the end, I didn't really care. Um, and all the people that that were killed, I didn't even really know who they were. Um, So you don't really care about those characters. And I don't know that we're meant to, but, um, and then one other thing that kind of bothered me, and maybe it's just me and my, you know, fantasy fairy tale, Disney-esque type movies that I've been used to. We never actually see the antagonist. Like we see the ship but we have no clue what's happening on that ship. We know nothing about those people until the very end, and even then, we just see them die. We don't know anything about them. Um, so yeah. I don't. I don't know if I like that or if I don't. I'm kind of. Yeah. I'm kind on the fence. I with
2: personally that. loved it. Personally, I loved it because the the movie is about these men on their voyage, and to give us the point of view of the French would probably. Change some things, maybe I don't know. I just I, th- this is based on a novel. I don't know if that's been said here. Yeah. This movie is based on actually several novels, and in fact, this movie was intended to be the kickstart of a franchise.
4: Ooh. Which is, mm-hmm. that's
2: why the movie technically ends on a cliffhanger, and so this they were supposed to make more. They didn't make enough money. You know, if this makes five hundred million dollars, then they'll make a second one. But um. But I personally like that. I, I, I like the idea. But but to be very most specific, if we spend any time on the French boat, then the the trick that happens at the end, we it doesn't it doesn't work because we know who the captain is. So yeah, I, 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 I personally like it.
4: But what's weird about this movie, though, especially with how long it runs you you don't like we've talked about before now there's a lot of of empty space where we're not actually building on characters here mm-hmm. like like the the supporting cast are almost they're almost left to be a mechanical existence they're only here to serve out some very specific functions and we don't do anything else with them so as they shed them at points i mean there is no attachment you're just like well not yep. seeing that guy oh, again. They're going. okay yeah mm-hmm yeah. So really, the, the the film's focus is pretty much between uh, Crow and Bettany. That's that's where all the you know the throwaway exposition happens. That's where uh, that's where the majority of the conflict happens outside of them chasing down the French the whole time.
3: Yeah, and I guess like uh, to comment on like Andrew, I I I'm on Andrew's side too with this too. Like when I don't have like a face. To hate, or not not to hate, but you know, like when you don't have a really like spelled out or fleshed out antagonist, it is hard to like get into a movie because then it's like you know what's the point of doing all this? And it turns out the point of doing all this is because
1: they're under orders. <laughs> you all, um, did your cat just like break dishes or something?
2: My cat is gonna die tonight. <laughs> tonight is <his> last life. <laughs> oh my god! Just, if, just go ahead, go ahead and put that anywhere. Yep. I mean, like, if it wasn't for the fact that it's in the middle of Joe talk and I could edit that out, but I mean, like, it's right in the middle of your thing. Like, good <laughs> lord, that was.
5: <laughs>
4: I apologize. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Andrew, be very careful. Stone Cold Steve Austin may be in your home.
2: <laughs> okay. Or the Kool Aid Man just broke through. I don't know what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Uh, sorry, sorry, Joe. I don't know. Yeah, oh, it's sort really of cool. Cat not well, only I, broke the dishes, but your train of thought.
3: No, it's really cool. Like I was just saying, like I, I completely agree with Andrew. When you don't have an antagonist in any capacity, um, it's hard to like buy into movies, like, because what's the point of them doing this? Yeah, and it kind of turns out like they're doing it basically because they're under orders. And even it gets yeah. to a point where um, they have to leave the Galapagos early, and Paul Bettany's character is like, well, hey, you said we we're going to be here for days, not hours. And he's trying to argue his point, And then Russell Crowe just gets mad and interrupts it, and says, we don't have time for your hobby. I'm under orders. Like That's, that's kind of what you're, what, what you're dealing with here. But at the same time, I don't really care about his orders. Because, yeah, yeah you've got to capture this ship or sink it. Uh, but we don't hate the captain on it. We don't hate the crew. We know it's kind of going around sinking wealthy um, uh, merchants. But we only know that because we were casually paying attention at the right time. Uh, the exactly. movie To figure that out, so it, to me, it's almost like the same thing as like having a like a like a bad villain, and by bad, like you don't care about the villain, like Ghostbusters twenty sixteen crappy villain who's just a villain for the sake of being a villain. You don't mm-hmm. care about him. You don't attach to him. He doesn't feel like a threat. You don't like. He's poorly written. It's the same thing here. I don't have someone to hate or someone who can actually push the protagonists forward, other than the protagonist just kind of pushing themselves. So it is hard in that sense to to buy into the movie when there's no no villain or someone to hate here.
1: Right. I don't know why I, I'm thinking about the movie The Patriot, but yeah, if you think because about... Because it's
3: the most historically accurate film I've ever made. Uh, yeah, of course, yeah. You have to um, bring up The Patriot. Film
1: just the I mean,
2: street from where I live.
1: Yeah. <laughs> nice. But you think about how much you really hate oh. the antagonist in oh, those, yeah. in that movie compared to this where you're like, I don't know who you're chasing, yeah. but good luck. Yeah, I don't no, even like, know who you I've, are. I've
3: talked about Jason Isaacs in other um, things too, who played the antagonist in in The Patriot. And yeah. again, like he he is really smart with picking his roles because he only wants to be believable people, especially his villains. And in mm-hmm. The Patriot, one thing the the scene where he rides the horse into the church and like uh, basically says he can come back and burn this burn this mother down, uh, that was his idea <laughs> to ride the horse in, and they actually had to. Um, remove the like. Well, there's there's no room for you to actually ride in on the horse in those doors. And he's like, "Well, how about we just remove them, and reshoot this scene like days later?" And the director's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Just do that." And it made the set people so mad that they had to do that and change the <laughs> doors on the thing. But they did it, and it, it worked out like phenomenally because that's an awesome scene in that movie.
2: So I'm trying to I'm trying to parse out here what what you the, you guys are saying, and here's where I think personally, is the disconnect with the hero versus the antagonist. Yes, we never, we never meet the antagonist. I think part of it also, and this might sound small-minded, but I think part of it that the four of us are American dudes and we don't care about the French. And I know we have a couple of British <laughs> listeners, or English. I said, I don't know if you're British. I guess you're English. I guess if you're part of the British, whatever. I don't know. Anyway, my point is is that it's not our history, Right, it's 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 their history. The in mm-hmm. the in the book in the original book the the fight actually is between a, a, the British and an American because uh, it's Ooh. it's during the eighteen twelve uh, war of eighteen twelve. Mm. Okay, and so it's actually between an American frigate um, and a uh, and the French or the British, and they kept that part of the in the movie when they said it's a French boat but built in Boston. So yeah. that's how they're able to keep some of that that part of the part of the movie. So, the fact that it's French and we don't really care, maybe that's part of it. Um, the The Patriot, I think, is a great example of, we need a, a singular villain for the hero to have a, a, a thing. Because in that particular movie, the, the hero is not following orders, he is following revenge. Um, that's a revenge movie yeah. that just happens to take place during uh, a fictional version of the American Revolution. But, we have seen other movies, like Saving Private Ryan. They're fighting mm-hmm. the Germans. We don't know any Germans. They're they're just all bad. And we're okay with that. The only singular German we get is that one guy that stabs the other guy and then Opham shoots later. Um, he's the only one that we spend any time with. So we know that the Americans, we hate the Germans, but we hate the Germans because they're Nazis. And the Americans were there to save the day. So I think that might be part of it, maybe. I don't know. Maybe.
1: I think picture this for a moment. If this movie were a rated R movie and we, at the beginning, we, we see the captain's best friend other than the doctor. Maybe he's got both of both, both of his best friends on the boat with him there ship. Sorry. And a cannonball just like impales this guy, knocks him off the ship. I don't know. Kills his friend. He has a reason, a personal reason. like, he, 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 he's not just following orders. Then he's got a personal vendetta and he's got the orders to follow. So, but, but then, it, then
4: it's a Jean Claude Van Damme movie at that it point. Is. Cause that's how every, that's how every Jean Claude Van Damme movie works. Well, there's,
2: there's the movie kind of does a little bit of the Moby Dick trope, right? Where I have to, uh, I, whatever it takes, I have to defeat the enemy. And eventually yeah. it, he gets reined in because of the friendship with the doctor. And I feel like to me, that's really great. Kind of the, the character development where the captain makes a choice um, because the, 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 you know, there's probably a version of, of a, of a British captain that would say one man is not worth, you know, the war, you know, we have to win the war and I can't stop just to help my friend. Whereas in this case, he made the choice, know what, we're going to go and get the doctor better because not only is he the doctor, but he's also... um, Okay. Um, uh, Sorry. Uh, I got distracted. Uh, Joe is in a legitimate dangerous situation right now and he has to go to the basement of his house. So...
4: Yeah, it's storm season up here, in Wisconsin. Yeah, he's in a
2: he's in a bad way. So we're gonna keep going because he told me ahead of time if I have to leave, just keep going. So we're gonna just keep chugging on with the show. Uh, Yeah, he's
4: he's live live tweeting from the basement. So if he does uh, expire on us, we'll know in real time, and I'll just update everyone here. So it'll it'll be fine. (laughs) Well, we are we are looking at his live feed here. So yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I I hate honestly I hate to joke about it, but before we uh, (laughs) did the show tonight, he's like. There's a point where I may have to leave and uh, I will update you guys on that. So we, we wish the best to him and uh yeah, absolutely hate to make yeah. light of it, but yeah, we're under the same watch here where I am. We just haven't actually seen a tornado yet. So that's good times.
2: Yeah, I just yeah, that 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 stuff, shit, whatever I'm gonna try to say, is scary, especially to Andrew and I, because we don't have that oh. here. Now right. we have hurricanes, but we know they're coming for a week. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like we have a week to prepare and nine times out of ten, they don't get where we live. They just don't come here. They skip off and go back out in the ocean, or just they park over Florida or Georgia or whatever. In North Carolina, it's like you know, whatever. We don't have what you have. So, um, yeah. So I'm just going to take this uh, awkward opportunity to give you my five word review because uh, there's really <laughs> no way to transition from that to this. And oh. I will. I have two. I don't usually do two, but I actually have two. My my kind of funny one. Uh, and i 'm cheating because I know a lot is not one word, but right now it 's one word. Children have a lot of power okay um, I just th- that's it,
1: very true yeah,
2: it just yeah. i mean that kid that killed i say kid that killed himself he 's thirty, but he looks like he 's twelve uh the one with, yeah. what killed himself, the Jonah, but the other one I just wrote simply epic sailing across the world um. Yeah, 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 yeah fair. Uh,
4: I mean, I and to your point, Sean, about that, I mean, the junior officers are basically the ones who spot the man of war in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, They have to make the judgment call. Is that what that actually is? Um, Which I think was, was a really odd balancing of stakes at the very beginning of the movie because you don't know if you're supposed to be afraid yet. You don't know if you're supposed to be intimidated by what this is, but the ominous nature of that and putting it on the kid's shoulders... It was a really interesting way to start that movie.
2: It's also just a really interesting dynamic. Just thinking about it in today's terms, you know, I mean the, the guy that's making the call, the guy that's the officer on the deck. Now again, he's 30, right? He's not a child. He's 30, but he looks like a kid. But the, the guy that makes the decision is we don't, we're never given his age, but I can't, he doesn't look a day over 18 or 17. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's the one that actually makes the call and then gives credit to the other guys saying, "Well, he called to orders cuz he saw a thing." And um it's just really an interesting idea that we're giving that they would give you know them that that much power. Now, on the flip side of that, I say that and I know that right now there are 19-year-olds, you know, piloting aircraft carriers. You know, I yeah. mean, you know, these are these enlisted men oh, yeah. in our Navy that are pilots and and stuff like that. But, you know, again, but but what the kid what lost his arm, he's what, 10? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, he hadn't yeah. he hadn't hit puberty is my point. And yeah. uh, so and he
1: was giving orders there at the end. Uh, yeah. Fire cannon.
2: He was not know? only did he give an, he gave orders, he gave Good orders that were strategically sound. Yeah. Yeah. He looked down and was like, they're going to shoot up at us. So let's lift the back of the cannon. I mean, there are men lifting the cannon so that when it fires, it fires down. And then he's not, then he, so he kills those men and then uses the damage to go into, he leads them into the boat, fires his pistol, and pulls out a sword with his left hand and goes to work. Like, my gosh, that kid was was he was kind of awesome. Um, that's a proud yeah, dad moment right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm so proud. My son murdered eleven uh, Frenchmen
4: <laughs> with one arm. That boy had one arm and he killed all those guys. That's right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Proud Papa moment. Yeah.
2: <laughs> there was, and honestly, there was a moment where when we see the older boy that was kind of in charge of rescuing the uh, the other uh, sailors when we, the, the, when they have the men, they're kind of looking down sad, and then the camera reveals that it was him. I yeah. honestly thought it was going to be the young kid. Like, he uh-huh. was dead with like 11 dead Frenchmen around him. Like, this kid had taken out all these Frenchmen around him, but they eventually got him. I thought yeah. that was what was going to happen, because to me, that's the emotional blow. Yeah,
1: that, that was the same for me. I, I really expected it to be him.
2: Yeah. But again, they thought this movie was going to make... They were going to make you know three more of these movies or whatever so i guess they wanted him to be have a more of a prominent role
1: and that could be you know now that you say that that could be why maybe some of the the supporting actors and characters weren't introduced or weren't used as much you know because maybe they had planned on using them in the second or third installment. It could be a little yeah. more.
2: Yeah. The, the Pippin guy, you know, uh, Billy Boyd, you know, he was the, he, 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 drove the ship the most. I think he was on the wheel. I think the majority of the time, I mean, maybe he gets a little bit more, more work. I mean, you're right. I think there's, there's the anticipation. What other movie did we watch recently? where they anticipated making more movies, but because it was so poorly received, we did that recently. I thought.
1: Yeah, there was something, but it, I'm, Blanking on it right now.
4: Um, well, yeah. something that something that kind of struck me a little odd about this, though, because uh, the the narrative choices are a little weird. Even though, yeah, it's supposed to be a, a continuation, but I mean, the movie was a pretty much a personal project of a Fox executive, which is a it's kind of a weird choice, right? Because why would you make a personal project out of something that you know has a literary following? You know, I mean, like this would be before, like 10 years before adapting a book into a movie was almost like, go ahead, right? It's like, yeah, if this, if this book's made some money, let's put it on the screen. Well, when you start making the choices of uh, establishing clearly the, the social aspect of the ship and how it operates and how the crew is rougher around the edges, even though they're technically part of the Navy, none of them feel that way, right? Like, they they did a good job establishing that. But then any other relationships really outside of, um, you know, like uh, giving the young officer without his arm a book, you know, trying to bond with him, stuff like that, those moments were sparse. It just didn't happen very much. So it felt odd when you would get pulled in from the action to do some of these, you know, these, I don't know, half-assed attempts at uh, story building. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And I think that, I think it kind of made the film boring at times. Yeah. No, uh, because we talked about the writing a little bit and, or maybe we did. Did we talk about the writing?
2: Not really. Um,
1: you know, the, the writing of the story, I don't know how much it follows the book at all, but, um,
2: so this technically follows two books. So this oh. the reason why it's called Master and Commander The Far Side of the World is because the first book called Master and Commander and then like the fifth book is called The Far Side of the World. So they've combined oh, some of the story elements from two different books. Gotcha. Uh, and according to the trivia, it follows that storyline pretty closely and there's a lot of not a lot there are some easter eggs that are placed throughout the movie for readers of the book to go, "Oh, um, like when there's a line when he says how do they know where we are and and uh he's uh Russell Crowe says well or no uh, Paul Bettany says well they have spies just like we have spies in the book he's a spy
1: ah uh, okay uh,
2: um yeah
1: I, the writing I, what i was going to say the writing i don't think is bad i think it's fine and the dialogue's great but i don't know if it's we're we're missing some action or, or there's so much dead time because there's only one place we are only on the ship, you know, until we get to the Galapagos for five minutes and then have to get back on the ship. Um, well, it's
4: reminiscent. It's reminiscent of uh, if you've ever gotten uh, a McFlurry or a Blizzard from DQ, and you get all of your toppings stuck at the top half, and then it's just pure vanilla ice cream on the other half. Yeah. That's kind of the, the the nuance we get here, you know. You have you have these moments where these these large scale things happen, and then we're sitting around the table talking about weevils. Which which don't get me wrong, the weevils joke, claps. It's great every time, but it, it just yeah, it kind of uh, when you do that multiple times in a movie, especially an action movie, you know, if you have uh, a short moment in a film, kind of like in uh, Saving Private Ryan, like you mentioned, they get out of D-Day, they finally get to Private Ryan and they're telling personal stories about back home. That fits because we have these like uh, uh, these big moments that happen and we have to come down from them. So it makes sense. In this case, it's like, well, okay, you've got some action scenes, but then you've got so much time to calm down until the next one. Yeah, you're, you're snoozing by the time you get there.
2: I will say this. Oh, oh sorry. Um, I'll say this. I wouldn't call this movie an action movie, uh, personally. Like Saving Private Ryan is a kind of you know is a war epic. Um, I, I guess for me, when I think action movie, I think like Die Hard or, um, I, I don't know. For me, this is just more of like just a big story. I don't know because because this movie only has really there's there's three action sequences right there's. Really, like there's the opening battle, the closing battle, and then really the only next quote unquote action that happened is when they're getting chased uh, and they have to like go hide in the fog. And that's the beginning when they have to. um,
4: Yeah, yeah. They escape the fog in the beginning. Yeah. The
2: the second time when they when they set up the little mini boat and they have to escape and they do the little thing and then they get it behind them. And then the storm, that's it. The storm is kind of your second quote unquote action. And they have to make the hard choice and let that poor man drown down at the horn. Like those are really only three action sequences in the movie. I think personally kind of hearing both of you talk about some of the things that don't work, like specifically saving private Ryan, like why that works. There's not a lot of one-on-one time with anyone else other than the captain and, and the doctor. Now the book, the book focuses them. The the book is about those two men and their relationship um, and, and their friendship and that, and it's, it's a book about those two guys. So so to your point specifically, like we don't care about when some of these other guys died because we haven't spent a lot of time with them alone. The only the only one on one pairing we get of anyone else on the boat besides the captain and the doctor is the doctor and the boy, the little boy who he's kind of grooming to be you know, a naturalist like him. Otherwise, everyone is in a group setting. Everyone. And I, yeah. made, I made the joke earlier about, you know, to Andrew that he um, closed captioning saved my life on this movie. I watched this with closed captioning. And I'm so glad I did because there's about a third of the dialogue that's just yelling in the background. <laughs> that's true. That I don't <laughs> yeah. know if it was intention like you were supposed to really hear it. But it was really interesting to me. Because, not only was it some of it just sailing jargon, which I like. I don't know why. I just like. I like boat movies. I like (laughs) movies of water. That's why I like space movies. Um, Because it's the same thing. You know, you're in the middle of the nothing, and you have to get by with your grit and your guile and your boat and your love and whatever to, to, to you know, so she won't you know shake you as sure as a turn in the world to keep with the fire serenity quotes. But anyway.
4: (laughs) Well, Sean, I don't want to cut you off, but like when you think about this film, and I I don't hate this film, by the way. I mean, I've owned it ever since I saw it in theaters. Um, I think what where it struggles a bit is that it it is a pacing issue because you you get you get like it's not an action film. It's an I guess action adjacent is probably the best way to put it. I like that action Um, adjacent. Yeah, Yeah. like like you're you're going to get to things that are maybe a little faster paced. Um, but yeah, it, it is the time that they spend not really expanding on anybody else. And as much as we we get to know the, the Bettany and, and Crow characters here, I mean, their relationship doesn't really advance beyond, you know, some standard squabbles that a lot of people have, right? Um, and and by the time that they get through these things, um, I think it's almost just a little too long in the tooth before you get to the next, you know, the next thing that's supposed to move us ahead, right? And but either way, that's that's kind of my take on it. And I've I've enjoyed
1: this film. So it's weird for me to even be kind of criticizing it. <laughs> uh, you, you, I don't know if you know my rule of movies, but one of my, well, one of my rules, the biggest one, in my opinion, is if it keeps your attention through the entire film, then I consider it a pretty good film. Uh, but if you're bored and you want to look away or you want to do other things or, you know, you're you can't help but think about other things, then it's not keeping you. And I'm not saying all movies that I like are that way, but this one, I did find myself drifting it. No, no pun intended, but I did find myself drifting at times, uh, thinking about this or that, you know, while, while we were watching it. And also Sean, to talk about what you mentioned about the sound. Uh, so there was a, I had to watch this in segments and I was watching part of this in my vehicle, not while I was driving, but in my vehicle and I had it plugged up to the Bluetooth. So the sound was coming through my truck speakers and, uh, it was just the sound of the storm. And so all it's, it was like there was a storm outside my vehicle and it was pretty cool actually, um, to, to listen to the sound quality and, and hear all the little effects that were going on, plus all that dialogue that was trying to be shouted over the sound of the storm. I mean, it, it, that's why I
4: think the, you have to kind of, when you start to look at the budget of the movie, you almost have to pick it out and go, where do I think this money went? And I mean, I, I, I agree with you that the score seems like there are some, Uh, some money put there, even though Russell Crowe had to buy his own violin for this movie. I don't know if y'all know that it was like a late 1800s violin that he purchased.
2: Did you you, you see how much he sold it for though?
4: No, no. How much did he sell it for? He
2: sold it for 73,000 pounds. Wow. Good Lord. I would just keep somebody had the money. I would (laughs) say, I mean, I mean, he doesn't need the money right? Not that Russell Crowe that not need the money. Keep that thing, man. That'd be so cool. Just to yeah, have. He's got
4: Ma- He's got Maximus Decimus Meridius money. He doesn't
2: need to worry yeah, about that. Yeah, he's still collecting checks on that. All right. <laughs> so we do need to move on to the next segment of the show, and that is where I play clips. So I got some clips here. Not a lot. I got four or so. No, yeah, not or so. I have really only four? Yeah, four clips. Um, so this first clip you're gonna to have to forgive the audio quality. It's gonna sound weird, but it's because it's one of those scenes where it's just someone yelling. So I did a little EQing so I so you can get rid of some of the ocean noise so you can kinda of hear what he says. So I'm gonna play it, see if you can hear what it says, and and if you can't, then I'll just tell you what he says.
5: Yeah,
2: I just heard that through my headset. There's no way you can understand what he says. Could you, could it you sounded it?
1: like something from uh Muppets treasure island.
2: Yeah. I'll try it one more time, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So even I know what he's saying and it's hard to understand, but like with the, with the wind and the actual like sound of the ocean, you again, closed captioning. So it's when they're trying to pull the boat, right? They're pulling the ship uh, into the fog and that's the, the bosun screaming, Pull like you're pulling a Frenchman off your mother
4: <laughs> dude to be fair, it sounded almost like uh, like an action movie from the '80s that was filmed in Japan and then dubbed in America like that's what that sounded like to me yeah
2: I just I rolled off all the low end and a little bit of the high and boosted the middle just so I mean so it's why it sounds like it's coming through a cell phone. But <laughs> believe it or not, the, like, the only reason why I knew that's what he's saying is because of the closed captioning. And I laughed. I did. I thought it was really funny. Um, that's great. Here's a good joke. To wives and
0: to sweethearts. Wow, two wives and two sweethearts. Wow, and two sweethearts. May they never meet. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a
2: funny joke. <laughs> um now, the intro, I, I, I chose the intro. I don't know why, but I love this, the language of, of that. Just when he's talking about the ship, I'm going to yeah. play it again. I just, I love this
0: language. The surprise is not old. No one would call her old. She's a bluff bow, lovely lions. She's a fine seabird.
2: I just, I love that language. I don't know why. I, I don't know what it means, but I love it. I think it's very beautiful. Okay uh bluff lines and and she's a wonderful beautiful seabird i I like that language i really do okay
4: no no innuendo
2: no no
4: no but it's it's very poetic though which is uh, yeah yeah, which i feel like we've gotten less and less poetic over the years and uh you know you tend to hear this too especially in well ironically enough sean in in the firefly series but often when uh when you see about um like plains and, and like Western exploration mm-hmm. kind of properties. That's when you hear this kind of stuff. It's usually always uh, a turn of the century type of conversation. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I appreciate that too.
2: Well, Sam, uh, if you're with us, uh, he has mentioned multiple times that the language of the old West is as close as to Shakespeare as the Americas can get. Yeah. Um, so like if you, we watch true grit for the show and the, just the way that, especially Haley Steinfeld, the way she talks is it's wonderful and it's beautiful language. And I wish we could talk like that more as a society and as a people. And Sam mentioned on that episode, it's American Shakespeare. It's as close as we can get to it. Um, Not saying that it's the same quality. It's just that style, that very lyrical um, uplifting uh, colorful language. And I just love that yeah, lot, language. I just really do.
4: A lot of, a lot of analogies is what what I found.
1: Uh, yes, but it they should be gonna roll off your tongue like molasses. <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> yes, here in the, in the South, everything rolls off the tongue like molasses. Uh, all right. Um, oh, wait. No, Joe. Joe almost came back and then walked away again. So I think he's he's all good. There. Uh I will play this clip. Uh I think one of you mentioned it earlier, and here we go.
0: Use the right hand weevil, it has significant advantage in both length and breadth. There, I have you. You're completely dis Do you not know that in the service one must always choose the lesser of two weevils? <laughs>
2: I love it. It's so funny. I love the way Crow delivers the line, like he's genuinely laughing at the joke.
4: Yeah, it's almost yeah. like he is. He. It's almost like nobody else was there for the script reading for that sequence, and he's delivering it for the first time because the way he smirks at that, it's like total grandpa vibes. Yeah, like yeah. grandpa's been telling this joke for like forty years, and now he gets to tell it to people who've never heard it. Like, think at the
3: very like. least, he is a new father when he oh, makes yeah. this joke.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Joe, welcome back. Glad you're okay hey. and all that.
3: Yeah, yeah, everything's fine. We've been we've been downgraded to a severe thunderstorm watch now.
2: Now I so, will admit there was a mm-hmm. moment where the light because you left your camera on the light flickered mm-hmm. for a moment and I thought, oh shit. But I guess. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, everything everything's fine. Great, everything's okay. That's that's good to hear. Glad to, glad <laughs> to have it. So. um and uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not going to edit any of the part where I mentioned this out. So, uh, oh, okay. So a year from now, someone's going to be listening, going, "Oh my gosh, I hope he's okay." So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope he pulled through fine for that tornado. Warning. Yeah, but well, how? That's how, how
1: we build suspense on our podcast. How dickish of me would that be? Like,
2: if something legit bad happened, but I kept the show just just continued the show. Oh so.
4: my god, it's like the break Wall of china. You're just oh, building my. them into the wall, man. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Joe would have wanted us to post this episode. Yeah, he's, uh, He sacrificed everything he had To make sure he was in this episode So please listen, um, like, and subscribe Yeah, because if you don't, you're a bad person yeah, exactly. yeah.
2: <laughs> Oh my gosh Alright, uh, if your movie's gonna give me Both the inspirational speech And the name of your movie I will capture it,
0: so here you go They mean to take us as a prize <laughs> And we are worth more to them undamaged Their greed Will be their downfall England is under threat of invasion. And though we be on the far side of the world, this ship is our home. This ship is England. So it's every hand to his rope or gun, quicks the word and sharps the action. After all, surprise is on our side. <laughs>
2: I love it. I love I love mm-hmm. the the quick to the word and sharp is the action. I love that dialogue again going back to the the lyricalness of the speech and not going to lie, I've heard that speech 3 times and it was well, I guess now 4 for this one. <laughs> but it was the third time while pulling the clip before I realized <laughs> surprise is on their side. The name of the boat is the surprise. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it yeah. brilliant? Like <laughs> again I,
3: dadding 101 right there yeah it's a
2: dad joke but i forgot that like i forgot that in the moment because again the only time we there's two times we hear we see at the very beginning we get the opening surprise 28 guns 104 souls and then later when the clip i played in in the intro when he mentions you know the surprise is not old but he says it so quickly
0: I just missed
2: I just missed the word that was surprised. There's a lot of words that I missed had I not had closed captioning. Seriously, hey, closed captioning so, saved me on oh, this Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: So, for this sequence though, for this this clip that you played, uh, something I actually did when I watched this was after I listened to it the first time, I went back. I actually closed my eyes and and listened to it a second time. And I almost thought I was listening to Chris Hemsworth. Interesting. Because because that's that's oh. how similar they sound. Because I mean, obviously, you know, uh, even though Russell Crowe is New Zealand born, you know, he spent a, you know a good amount of time in Australia, and so because those guys are both from that area of the world, if you just listen to it, and I, I know I am probably going to get some <laughs> some New Zealand hate. They're like, it's like, hey, it doesn't sound like that, you know. But like, but seriously, though, like if you listen to it again, listen to it with your eyes closed, and go, I am getting some Thor one vibes here. I really am. They sound, they sound very similar.
2: That's um, that's interesting. I don't know. What, what, the, what is this? Okay.
0: Cole Gasper. What's going on? We just got attacked by the gunies from hell.
2: There you go. There's a little Chris uh, Hemsworth for you. Yeah, that was definitely Hemsworth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's this one?
5: You hit him with a truck. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I hit him with a truck. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that was from the movie Extraction that we did uh, last Oh, year. that's actually yeah, oh, I it's love a solid one. one. I love that movie so much. I love it. I, yeah, I just, need to watch it again. It's so good. It's I love it so much. Um, okay, uh, that's all of the clips that I have. And so now I'm gonna take a, just a moment. I don't know why I said take a, just a moment. Because uh, apparently I'm. Uh, Italian. Hey, you're
3: Mario. Art. It's fine.
2: I, well, we did just get a, a Switch, so we've been playing a lot of Mario Kart. Ah, nice. <laughs> so I'm going to take a moment and say, uh, for those of you listening, next week there is no Cheap Seat Reviews episode. I'm on vacation, uh, first vacation in like two and a half, three years. We're going somewhere. There will be no show next week, no Cheap Seat Reviews show. But I have a treat for you. Next week... I will be in the normal time slot, in the normal, uh, the normal feed, we will be uh, releasing our first ever episode of Them's Fighting Nerds. Now, if you're listening to this show, you know, wait a minute, or not, you know, if you're fans of Cheap Seat, I should say, obviously you're listening to this show because you can hear me. Um, I did have, we did have a, a Them's Fighting Nerds podcast for about five episodes uh, with me and Sam, and it just fizzled out as a lot of podcasts do, because um, didn't have enough time to do a second show. This is something different. This is a different show. This is a different take. Here's a little trailer I made. So next week, you will get the full episode of Them's Fighting Nerds. Hello, and welcome to Them's Fighting Nerds, a debate podcast where two nerds enter, one nerd leaves. Now, I'm just a simple Marvel fan. I don't
3: know my Jack
2: Kirby's from my Steven Ditko's.
3: It's like he could be the strongest Avenger, but he's always got to be off doing something else. Like he's—I hope we're not being uh, graded on our accents, because if we are, I'm in trouble.
2: Who will it be? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two or Thor Ragnarok? As the greatest MCU movie, find out August fourth. There you go. Next right. So the the premise of the show is quite simple. It's a debate podcast. The, the How this thing all came to be is because I already had them spotting nerds as a, as a show and the artwork. Um, Cameron from the Green Shirt podcast, a newbie's trek through TNG, laid down this ridiculous claim. I shouldn't say ridiculous. He laid down an <laughs> audacious claim that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 – is the a better is the greatest MCU movie, and that Thor Ragnarok was not only not the greatest MCU movie, was in fact a bad movie. Oh, and it's oh, um, bold. It is yeah. bold. And Jesse from Sudden But Inevitable took uh, took offense to that and uh, slapped him with a proverbial glove and said, "I challenge you to a duel." And so we created this show for them to have a debate. So it's a true debate show with five subjects. I award points as the both host and moderator of this episode and, and the master I- debater. and master debater. And as uh, the idea is going forward, if there's going to be in our Potter and family, if more people want to throw down the gauntlet uh, challenge, uh, you know, this is the forum to do it. So this is our first episode. Uh, we hope to uh, do one a month because we all have our own regular shows and uh, two shows. It's just a lot. So we're gonna do hopefully we can try to do once a month. So next week, uh during our normal release time, them's fighting nerds episode one. Who will win? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two or Thor Ragnarok, you guys decide. I guess technically it's which debate debater wins. That that's the, way of the movie. Anyway, go listen to it, it'll be great. Time for this.
0: And now for some more bad news. Ready?
2: Time for a little bit of trivia. I'm going to cook through this pretty good. Uh, This movie actually had a lot of trivia, like a lot of trivia. Um, But that's okay. Uh, We did mention that Russell Crowe learned how to play the violin for the film, and he said that it was the hardest thing he had ever done for a film. So, of course, that's up to 2003, so I don't know if something had become more difficult since then, but who knows? Uh, I mentioned that. Let's see. What else? Um, uh, this movie, I, we didn't mention this. This movie critically did really well. This movie was nominated for eight Oscars, by the way. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Now it the only was, thing that Go ahead.
4: Oh, I was going to say the only thing that kind of hamstrung it, uh, I think in terms of visibility was the fact that, you know, the return of the King yeah. dominated that award season. Yeah. Yeah. And uh,
1: pirates came out at the same time. So there's,
2: uh, yeah so yeah you know, Pirates, was, Pirates of the Caribbean was Pirates the Caribbean was that summer and then this came out in fall it was the November release but then a month later was Return of the King. Yeah. And Return of the King basically every award that Return of the King was nominated for it won except the two that this movie won which is kind yeah. of funny. Uh, and those being it won best cinematography and best sound editing. But it was yeah. uh but not talk about
1: uh, cinematography I just want to pause real quick. Yeah, yeah. Did was it? Maybe you know this, and maybe it's in the trivia. I don't know, but this movie looked like a movie that was filmed in the seventies.
2: There was a very film grain look to it. Yeah, yeah.
1: and because uh, I, I think about a movie that I watched growing up called Shipwrecked, which was actually a Disney film. Yeah,
2: I actually watched um, that like four weeks ago with the family. It doesn't hold yeah. up.
1: It doesn't. No, it doesn't. But, um, but I thought about that, just the quality of like the quality of the film, the way that it looked on screen reminded me of that because I kept, as I watched it, I kept thinking, man, this is an old movie. But then I would see actors like Paul Bettany and Russell Crowe and Pippin. And I was like, okay, this is not old. But when they weren't on screen, I
2: can I yeah, uh, Mark. You said you have this on DVD or Blu-ray. Did you watch it on that medium or on Amazon?
4: No, I watched it on on DVD.
2: So I'm curious to know if what Andrew was talking about, you experienced. Do you know, so
4: I'm I'm assuming that there was uh, maybe some extra semen on Andrew's screen that might have caused <laughs> him to miss some of the cinematography. Uh, I'm smiling. You can't see my face, but no, I'm, I, I do agree though. I mean, it's, uh, it's a film that I think, it, obviously, it was filmed on gimbals for a lot of it, where the ships oh. were mounted, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, they took a lot of effort to make sure that this was a very practical looking, authentic looking uh, film. But, um, but even when you're doing some of the under deck shots, you know, I, I feel like I am looking through a filter where. It just you know it just feels like there's a layer of grunge on the lens, yeah. Um, and, and so yeah, I I struggled with that a bit too. And I was watching it on a you know I guess I mean obviously you could get on DVD or on Blu-ray, but yeah, I got that same feeling. And so I, I totally agree. I, I, I don't reason, think it was a bad thing necessarily. To me,
1: it was it gave it a little nostalgia it, factor.
2: The reason why I asked you specifically about your your copy because sometimes when it converts to digital, it doesn't convert well. And yeah. and this was on I watched this on Amazon, which if you're listening to this episode, mm-hmm. you have basically two days to go watch this movie before Amazon pulls it because um, I got the <laughs> alert tonight that it's getting pulled in four days. Um, but I there was a couple of moments, mostly sky shots where the actors are in the foreground and you can kind of see sky. There was a very film grain look to the sky and there was uh-huh. a couple of oh, gosh, that scared me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no one can hear this except me, but I'm, uh, I'm, some music was playing. Sorry. Um, <laughs> for listening at home, it sounds like I'm having a, an aneurysm. I, it, I'm not. Just anyway. My <laughs> point is, is that there was a weird kind of film, film to it. To answer your question, Andrew, I don't really know a reason why other than maybe that's just the way the transfer worked. Maybe that yeah, was. Maybe so. There was a couple of scenes. Well, not a couple. There was some filmed at the uh, water tank down in uh, Mexico, where they filmed Titanic, so maybe yeah. that's green screen you know effect i don 't know
4: and it could be it could be this the model too like the mm-hmm. the model uh filming I, I think that might be where some of this comes in because who knows what they carried over for congruency from filming the actual in person stuff and then the uh, the, the scale models yeah. that were that were also yeah. built so i i don't know that's 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 definitely a good question to ask and I mean so when I was talking about the under deck thing though, the under deck scenario and, and how that looked. Um the, like you're right, Andrew, the, the grunge doesn't look bad. I mean, it it, it almost kinda of plays up even when uh when Russell Crowe's talking about how, you know, she's a good boat and he's like, you know, tapping the windows and stuff and you know, it's like that grunge may have been done to even invalidate his opinion because he's saying it's a great ship still and everyone else is kind of making fun of it Yeah, right. so,
3: mm-hmm. yeah. So, alright guys I actually just got upgraded to another tornado warning so I'm going to disappear for another half hour um, <laughs> uh, yeah good luck um, I don't know if you'll be here when I get back but I'll see you soon
2: <laughs> so while you're down in the basement tweet, mm-hmm. uh, tweet message me your top three and I'll read them on air yeah. if you don't get back yeah absolutely yep mm-hmm. thanks man good, yep. Uh, be, good luck be safe we Will do. All Thanks, things. guys. Jeez, mm-hmm. um, that just sucks. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, uh, again, transitioning from, from real life terrible to uh, back to this. During the film's pre-production, the replica of, James, of Captain James Cook's ship, the HMS Endeavor, was circumventing, circumnavigating the globe. The production was able to fly two cameramen to the ship as it was about to sail around the bottom of South America a route that the surprise does take in the movie. Thus, the footage of the stormy seas that is part of the voyage is genuine. The oh, Endeavor hmm. sails, sailors were used in costumes kept on board for display. So real sailors in historical costumes on an actual ship going around the horn, that's just so cool to me. In that's a just, storm. In a real storm. That's just yeah. that's, that's so awesome and that terrifying cool. at the same time. After filming, the HMS Surprise was purchased by the San Diego Maritime Museum for an undisclosed sum with the proviso that the ship be loaned back to 20th Century Fox for any future film productions. Now, I captured this last piece of trivia because this is obviously um, anyone can edit IMDb if you have a pro account, you can go into the trivia and edit anything. You know, I could go in there and get a pro account and say, cheap seat reviews, review this movie. So this is obviously the marketing person, uh, for the San Diego maritime museum. This is what it says. Quote, if you would like to visit the magnificent ship and walk the plank, you can, it's located (laughs) at the maritime museum of San Diego, California. (laughs) (laughs) That's awful. I, I love it. (laughs) <laughs> it's, yeah. right. it's bad, but it's great. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. You're both you're right. Okay, time for this.
1: Excuse me while I whip this out.
2: Time for our top three. Top three movies. We decided to do ocean seafaring type movies. Uh on that's I mean, not necessarily period pieces, just movies on the high seas. Uh Mark, I'll let you go first.
4: Yeah, my first pick uh technically does occur in the seas, but not on them, rather underneath them. Okay. Uh it, in the abyss.
2: Ah, yeah. Um, uh-huh.
4: yeah, I, I, just remember, you know, being, being terrified as a kid because of that fear that a lot of us have about the ocean. You know, you don't know what's looking back sometimes. Right. Um, and the abyss just perfectly captured that for me and honestly still terrifies me quite a bit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, otherwise I, I kind of, uh, went back above water and, and actually on the beaches, um, for castaway castaway for me it's like it's you know yeah it's on an island right but it's still it's still most, you know parts that are very ocean related we get Wilson out it, there yeah. and
5: yeah,
4: yeah. so uh, castaway yeah uh definitely was a just a good movie in general but takes place on the ocean um now i did have two movies though that are uh, you could you could say are equally uh well, let's just say they're they're in the same school, okay? Um, so I went for Deep Blue Sea because uh, you okay. know who doesn't love a little a little <laughs> that little ditty about really intelligent sharks. Um, <laughs> and uh, my bonus movie out of this, though, because it was similar uh, or at least in the same vein, was The Meg, uh, which I thought was a fun.
2: It is fun, you know. There's, there's I would say
5: that. Yeah. Like...
4: Yeah. yeah. Oh fun yeah, you movie, should watch so. it. It's
2: totally fun. Cool. Yeah. Jason Statham gets to punch a Megalodon. It's great. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I just, I just love this whole like myth of the Megalodon, you know, because the discovery channel puts that awful documentary. Uh, so now people think it's still out there, you know, like why the hell would you want a shark that large still hanging out? I just, I don't know. But yeah, those are, those are my three plus, uh, plus one.
2: Cool. All right. Um, uh, Joe hasn't hit me up yet, but he will in just a moment. Not not worried about it. Um I will do mine now. Uh I did. So so the, I did two honorable mentions. I hopefully don't take one one of Andrew's. So I too did a submarine movie with The Hunt for Red October. Oh, yes. Um mm-hmm. and uh that's one of those movies, man, if it's on I'm watching it. I can't tell you how many times where it's like 10: 30 at night, trying to go to bed, turn the TV on flip. oh shit, it's hunt for October. Oh, it's only 20 minutes in. okay, I'll watch it until the first commercial break. Uh, okay, I'll watch till the second commercial break. okay, I'll watch it until Dallas flies out of the ocean. Okay, now we're good. I also did uh, the Finest Hours, which we did on the show. Oh, um, yeah I liked it. I liked that, that was movie. a good one. I thought it was really good. A little rescue movie. Uh, uh-huh. Disney produced it with uh, Captain Kirk. But my top three, uh, I think Andrew knew that I was going to say this one. Number three, (laughs) Waterworld. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think you alluded that I was going to do that one. I like that movie. It's terrible. Uh, In fairness, I haven't watched it in a while. Um, And it was on some dumb channel. I think it might have been HBO about two months ago. And it was just the very end, like the the last ten minutes of the movie. And I realized just kind of how dumb that movie is. Um, Not that I forgot. I just re-remembered. But yeah, Waterworld. I have a weird place in my heart for that movie. Uh, And I've also seen physically laid eyes on the floating steel island, the atoll that they go to in the The movie. movie. Uh, It was uh, parked in Hawaii when we visited Hawaii uh, as a family Mm -hmm. that year. Number two, Pirates of the Caribbean. The Curse Uh of the Black Pearl. That... um, the good one. It's really good. I it, I think it still holds up. And that yeah. movie, um, I, I that's the, nah, I just like the movie. And my number one, I just, this movie, just for some reason, just speaks to me. I've seen it two or three times. I really like it. It's probably not as fun as Pirates of the Caribbean. Actually, it's not nearly as fun as Pirates of the Caribbean. But I think it's a way better film. And that's In the Heart of the Sea. Yeah, I, mean, okay. I just I really like that movie a lot. Um, okay. Uh, we do have some Twitter people, but I'll let Andrew go. Let's see if Joe has te- uh, messaged me. Joe has. Joe says, Number three, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse the Black Pearl. Number two, Deep Blue Sea.
5: Yes.
4: <laughs> and number
2: one, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou Oh, oh yes.
1: okay, yeah. Yeah.
2: So, cool. Sleeper yeah. pick. Yeah. Awesome pick. What you got, Andrew?
1: Well, I have, um, I have a little animated film called Moana.
2: Oh, yeah. Such a good uh, film.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's my number three. And number two, I have uh, Captain Phillips with Tom Hanks. I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. It's a good one. And then number one, I have a film that I I don't – You know, my, my son, he's going into third grade, and he asked me the other day, Do you are what are you afraid of? Like, are you afraid of heights or you know, do you have any fears? And there's one fear that I legitimately it's like the worst fear I have, and that's of being underwater and running out of air and not being able to make it to the surface and drowning. Like, that's that's the biggest one. So, for me, my number one movie here because it freaks me out so much is called Sanctum, and it is about some cave divers that. Uh, are are diving in this cave and they are running out of oxygen. It's it bothers me. Did forty
2: seven like meters bother you? Forty seven meters down bother you?
1: It did a little, but not as bad as sanctum.
2: Okay, interesting. Yeah, and, and I, did- then
1: I had the uh, honorable mention of Finding Nemo and Finding
2: Dory. Sure, all those are good.
1: <laughs> I'm in an animated mood tonight, I guess.
2: No, it's fine. No, my one is a great pick for that. Uh, Twitter verse, uh, we've got a, a couple here, just a couple, um, and that uh, one is from our good friend Jesse from Sudden But Inevitable. It says, "White Squall, Pirates of the Caribbean, mm. but Castaway is his his best." And excuse me, and Maxton, good friend and listener Maxton, who was on his own little review uh, show recently. I, I put a, a link out on Twitter. Uh, Maxton yeah. says, "Deep Blue Sea." That's it. That's the only answer. <laughs> so
4: loving it. Loving it, I really am.
2: Yeah. There you go. Thanks, Maxon and Jesse. Uh that's it. Time for this. Wait, what's supposed to happen? This is where we give a movie, the movie, a score. I'll uh, I'll message Joe. A score from zero to ten. Uh ten being the best, and I think that's pretty obvious. Andrew, I'll let you go first.
1: Well, um, yeah, like I said, I enjoyed it for the most part. It had a few moments that I was bored, but uh, and a few times that I didn't really care about people. So, uh, uh, but overall, I would watch it again. It's a pretty decent film. So IMDb puts it at a seven point four, um, and because we had Paul Bettany uh, as Violet from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory for just a little while, as he was dying. Um, it was very it was very purple and blue uh, in that scene if you missed it. So I'm going to give it. Uh, I'll say a six point two. Okay. Now I, I think I gave something recently a six point two. I'm going to give this a six point one.
2: Okay. Uh, nothing that I see in the immediate. Re- yes, your last six point two was Star Wars Episode Three. Yeah, wow.
1: I, like, I like this a little bit less than that. Okay. Just.
2: Yeah, a little tiny <laughs> sliver. Okay, <laughs> what you got, Mark?
1: You know,
4: I was actually going to stay in roughly the same area. Uh, I was actually going to say six point five initially because uh, you know I think this film passes in a lot of ways. Like, I, I think the dialogue is good. the The action that we do get is good, and the relationship between Betany and Crow is like it's really it's really well made. I think that part of it is. Obviously, it's the focus because there's not a whole lot else they are focusing on. So, um, yeah, I gave it the six and a half, though, for some of the reasons that we talked about. The pacing is a little rough um, at times. I mean, if you're because I'll put it this way. If you're expecting action, then the exposition parts of this or even the lack thereof at points might take you out of it. And if you're Uh just casually watching it at home, you might decide to turn something else on because, you know, it may not be your thing. But I think for, for people that want that balance of, of drama, action, the historical setting and all of that, I mean, I think that could elevate this into a seven, you know, if you're that, that type of person.
2: So are you or what, what was your score if I eventually? So six and a half is where I'm at.
4: Okay. okay. But I, I can definitely see where other people might get a little more value out of it than I did.
2: Sure. Okay. I got you, Tim. I got you. Um, yeah, I I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, if you're looking for, yeah, this is not a popcorn movie. This is not a summer blockbuster. That's why it's released in November. I mean, it's not trying to compete with pirates of the Caribbean. It's a different kind of movie. Uh, this is a, you need to pay attention to it kind of movie. And that's okay. That is very okay. Uh, Joe has not responded. I asked him what he would give this. He hasn't responded. So, um, We'll just go uh I like this movie. I think it's really good. I think it's worth watching I think um if you like seafaring uh movies, if you like um one other thing that this movie whenever you see like those dumb top ten lists of of things that you see on BuzzFeed or whatever sites you know there's always like uh, ten most accurate historically accurate movies this movie is always ranked on that this movie. Though it's not historically accurate to a story, to a point in history, or to a, to a specific story, it's historically accurate in the depiction of life. And I think that that's pretty cool that they did that. They're, they didn't really cut any corners. I mean, I think it's neat. So with that being said, I'm going to give it a 7. A straight up 7 um, out of 10. Uh, well, hold on. You said IMDb gives this a what? 7.4. You know what? I'm going to go with IMDb. I'm going to follow the masses and say 7.4. Because I think it's a good movie. I think it is a really good movie. And you know, kind of looking around at other things that I've given a 7. You know, I gave a 7 to to Hancock. I think this is a better movie than Hancock. Would I rather watch Hancock than this? Probably. But this is a better (laughs) film. And um... Yeah, I'm okay with that. It uh...
4: you have to almost ask the question of what would this movie look like if it had learned from the other things that we would see in the next like five or six years. Right. Especially with um, some of the entertainment value that you see out of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and some of these other blockbusters, that's what it makes me think of is, is where could this have gone if it had just been, you know, not positioned precariously close to Lord of the Rings, return of the King, and, and some of these other factors we talked
1: about, but, but either way, though, it it, it lives on in, yeah. in our hearts. And I think that Pirates is so similar as far as what you get from the films um, that maybe they decided, well, let's abandon ship on this. Again, no pun intended.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think there are different enough vehicles and they are different enough things that uh, – Well, I, I, I,
1: I mean, of course, Pirates is a little more fantastical and this is more realistic
2: – but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think it simply comes down to money. If if this maybe this movie wasn't marketed well enough, or maybe it was just in, in a year where we already had one pirate sailing kind of movie, and we were looking, we were waiting and holding our dollars until Return of the King came out a month later. You know, maybe it just came out the wrong time. Maybe if it comes out the next year in two thousand four, maybe it does mm-hmm. better. Who knows? But. Uh, I think it's a good movie, and you should go watch it, and that is all I'm going to say about that. Um, That's it. That's the show. I have really nothing else to say other than my quote game where I will give you a quote. Uh, Mark, you don't have to participate. This is where I just, for the listeners, I have a giant movie poster my parents gave me. Uh, What movie? Whose line is what it says? 101 classic movie quotes tonight. Movie quote number 27. Andrew, this one's for you, buddy. Where we're going, we don't need roads.
1: That, that made me tear up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with
2: my bit. my delivery of it, too, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it was
1: spot on. It's perfect. <laughs> it was spot on. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I agreed that I would never try to actually uh, perform the line. I'm just going to read them. <laughs> um, so there we go. That's that quote game. Valiant effort, though. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. This is an opportunity now for you to tell the fine listeners of both this show and I guess people who are listening to uh, because of your show where they can find your show. I guess if they're listening because of you, they know how to find your show, but my listeners don't.
4: Yeah. I mean, just in case you you don't know where to find us, uh, we try to keep it pretty easy across social media. So we're at digital dissect one. Uh, The, the, uh, thing that usually comes up everywhere though is if you type in, uh, digital dissection, a nerd podcast, that's usually 100% guaranteed. Uh, but digital dissection typically works, but, uh, yeah, outside of social media, we also do, uh, run a blog and the blog will cover some topics that are, our, our main show can't always get to in time. So, um, we've done some pretty fun side projects through that that, uh, have been, have been great for us. So, um, but yeah. That's, that's how you can find our little thing.
2: Yeah. you Go check them out, especially the episode I was on where we reviewed Serenity. Um, <laughs> and also, really kind of cool, fun little note here, the uh, gentleman that you had on for your music portion, Chris, and his wife, Leslie, um, the music you heard for the trailer for Them's Fighting Nerds, he wrote that. That's, oh, that's so that's, cool. That's, that's his music. And then he wrote our theme, the intro to this show. He wrote our theme. Um, I'll have to.
1: Well, I don't know that I can listen to your episode uh, because I haven't watched all of Serenity. Oh, and uh, yeah, I watched it, uh, I think, maybe five years ago and I stopped halfway through because I didn't like it.
2: Okay, well, (laughs) then don't listen to that episode because it won't make sense. I'm waiting to the day that you make me do it for the podcast. Well, we will one day we will eventually do it again for the podcast. And I say again, it was supposed to be our first episode and it didn't happen. So,
4: (laughs) well, Hey Sean, before we go, I did want to wrap one thing uh, about our show recently. Yeah. Um, So we actually had on uh, Sean's or Josh Sawyer, who is the uh, project director and lead designer for obsidian entertainment. And uh, it was a, just a, awesome show we get to talk about uh some of the like genre defining rpgs that they made there the biggest game that i know some folks would know him for is fallout new vegas which is also a personal favorite of mine um and so we actually just dropped that this week so it's uh it's definitely a fun experience to really personify someone who gets asked a lot of gaming questions but not asked how is josh doing so we really spent some time uh, getting into that, but yeah, yeah. it was a really fun time, and that's out now.
2: That's awesome. Go go find it. I will link to your um, your link tree and all that stuff in the show notes so that people can find your stuff. Cool. Um, that's it. Uh, the last thing I will say, the, the last thing I'm going to promote is one. Next week, them's fighting nerds. I mean, if you're already subscribed to the show, you're going to get it anyway. But please. Please, please, please listen to that, and I want feedback. Guys, I'm begging you, tweet at me, message me, cheapseatreviews at gmail.com, email me. I don't care how you get me. I need to know feedback because we want this show to be successful, and if you guys love it, let me know. If you hate it, let me know because Cameron and uh, Jesse and I, we want this thing to be successful. We need your feedback. Please, please, please let us know. Also, Cheap Seat Reviews, for the first time ever, did an interview. We did an interview, and by we, I mean I. I did an interview with my friend Erica Hogan. That episode is also on the feed. Go listen to that. Uh, uh, she's a... Um, Mark, I also, forgive me, I don't know. When did you start your, your podcast?
4: So we officially kicked off uh, right around the end of March this year. Um, and... So you're it a feels like
2: you're a pandemic yeah, podcast. Yeah.
4: Uh, actually we, 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 may have fallen within the pandemic, but the pandemic isn't why we okay. decided to do it. Okay. Um, J- J- yeah, Joe and I were basically formulating this idea for almost seven years and we had a lot of content. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's why the show kind of just kind of kicked off. And then, uh, I actually forgot to mention this, uh, we added a, a new co-host named Chelsea. She's been with us now for um, just about 10 episodes or so. Um, so, I mean, yeah, we're, we're off to a quick start and we're loving it.
2: Great. That's great. The reason why I ask is because I know a lot of people, um, especially a lot of other podcasters, even that we've had on our show, um, started their show because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And Erica decided that instead of starting a podcast, she would become an actor. And within the time of the of the pandemic, during the pandemic, she joined an agency, uh, starred in a couple of national commercials, was on a uh, on a TV show that will uh, as a as a featured extra that will come out this fall and she'll be in a feature film. Wow. So like That's awesome. Yeah. Like, what did you do with your pandemic? Not trying to make anybody feel bad. I just think what she did is awesome. Oh, by the way, she also owns her own business. Go check out the interview. It's really cool. Okay, this is now by far probably one of the longest episodes we've ever done, and that is okay, <laughs> because this was good content, and I really enjoyed having both uh, you, Mark, and Joe on the show. Joe is still in his basement, so we will wish him the best, and I will simply say at this point, cheapseatreviews.libsyn.com is our website. Go there. The links to all the things that you need to be successful with our show is there, Um at Cheap Seat Cast is Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we're on all, all those places. Please, we want to hear from you. Um, just about this show and any other show. We've got some more great guests lined up for you for August. So excited for August! Uh, we're going to have Jesse back on from the Sudden But Inevitable podcast, and um, we've got some more guests lined up for uh, for August. I can't. I'm not going to mention just yet, but it's very cool. Twenty twenty one is the year of the guest. Uh, people seem to like it. And I like it, and that's what matters. So, And Sam will be back when we get back. We'll have Sam back back in August. So on behalf of uh, Joe, Mark, Andrew, and Sam, this is Sean saying thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in two weeks.
1: This is Cheap Seat Reviews.